Well, hello and welcome to the First Time Callers, the official podcast of St. Louis. I'm Sam Chandler. Across from me at the dais is Mr. Jeff Epstein. And then right there in the middle, below Grant Fuhrer and below the lucky sign that brought us so much luck in a Game 7, a Game 6, is Mr. Scott Singer. Yep. You're Mr. Game 7, in my opinion. That's, or, or I guess Mr. You went to a Game 7 and they won <laughs> that. And then we all watched the... Uh, we talked, of course, about the Blues and... Uh, their experiences so far in the Stanley Cup playoffs have been, would you say, pretty good, Scott? Uh, they have been something we have never seen before in our entire lifetime. Just from start to finish, the ups and downs, the ebbs and flows, the heart racing, the heartbreaking. It's been everything you could hope for in a Stanley Cup final run. I've enjoyed every second of it. I mean, it really has. You're exactly right there. And it's from a, from a fan base that... For so long, has known only disappointment and a lot of those crushing, mo- crushing moments in uh, in a team's history that just dig at you for so long. Some that you weren't even born for or alive for, but you know about them because you read about them and hear about them. And there's uh, there's some, some national narratives going on about that as well that we can get to a little bit later. But for now, I mean, it's all gravy for Blues fans. This is what we've wanted for for so long, and what now many of us will be experiencing for the first time. Yeah, you know, us our lifetimes. Filled of hockey fandom, with all nothing but frustration. It really now, is. Here we are, finally did it, made it, and not only that, you're hearing all these other people come out of the woods, who aren't even Blues fans, and they're pulling for them. Yep, I think it's awesome. You gotta love that, and it's now we're facing a whole other slew of frustrations with trying to get tickets to these games and what we're gonna do because you know now you've got. A few games until a champion has decided. There's two teams left. The Blues are one of the best two teams in the National Hockey League and have just as good a chance as the Boston Bruins to emerge victorious. Yeah, you know, the tickets thing, that's, that's the truth. I mean, you know, this, there's 18,000 seats Enterprise Center times three. So you've got about 54,000 seats to go around for a whole city plus whoever's a fan in surrounding states they want to go to. Well, as a result, ticket prices are pushing $900, eight $900 for games yep. three and four. And they're around eleven hundred dollars. All this with fees online for for the game six potential clincher. It's yeah, it's it's tough sledding there. So that re- that reminds me, go to our Twitter account. Well, you're probably watching us on the Twitter account, but scroll down on our feed. There's a GoFundMe set up. Uh, send, <laughs> send a uh, small child named Scott to Boston for one of the games. The Blues need our support. If you want the Blues to win, you will send this child to Boston. He's our adoptive son. We adopted yeah. him. We need a little little Scotty. He's a child at heart. He's a say. he's a lovable scamp, is what he is more than anything. The old shopkeep, right? Yeah. You know, exactly. Speaking of lovable, speaking of lovable, there's a lot to love about these Blues, and I think you know you touched on it earlier, Jeff, that people that aren't even have any relation to the team at all are pulling for them because no one wants to see Boston win another championship outside of people from Boston. For sure. You know, it's almost to the extent where, well, not almost, it is to the extent. I have a couple friends who are Hawks fans who texted me and said they're actually pulling for the Blues for the first time in their lives. There's That's big. I mean, come on. That's a, that is a hated rival. Yeah. And it's just like, you would have never expected that, but here we are. Yeah. So I like it. There's a, there's a few as well that have uh, reached out to me, and I know a uh, longtime listener, J.J. Stankovitz, who we will see this weekend, has been pulling for the Blues as well and watching along these playoffs. And It's exciting times. So I don't know really how to approach this. I mean, it seems kind of a, a scattershot thing because there is just so much to talk about when it comes to this Blues team. But let's just kind of set the scene with how we experience that that 
Miraculous Game 6. Uh, Scott, please please begin. Game 6? Yes. Well, first of all, we were hunkered down in our tornado shelters. Yes. Getting ready for the apocalypse to hit because the hockey gods certainly would not allow the Blues to win the Western Conference. But you know what? We persevered. We prevailed. We had a Game 6. We watched it at Truman's in Soulard. Yes. A lot of fans there. A lot of excitement. TVs. Little hit or miss. Their performance that night was not nearly as good as the Blues. It was, because due to the storm, we're watching it on a DirecTV feed. And DirecTV, right. although I do I do like DirecTV. It's got a usually fantastic picture, except for when there's a little bit of rain. And as soon as that rain starts coming, you know it's going to be in and out for the signal. So the game begins, and we have no t- we have no TV signal. You know, it's kind of funny that it happened, though, because the second that you see everyone, they're like... Getting their phones, phones out, getting the streams, yeah. so you see everyone around the bar kind of like mm-hmm, hunkered around yeah. like one little phone. Except for me, I had the radio. I had the lucky radio with me. <laughs> Turn on uh, to listen to Mr. Chris Kerber and Joey Vitale, who was back in the booth after having a, uh, a night off for Game 5. So I had the radio on, and that's uh, immediately when Sammy Blay scores. I stand up and I go, oh, he shoots, he scores, Sammy Blay! And everybody's looking at me like I'm crazy. This the place goes silent. Like, what in the hell is this guy talking about? Thinking I'm joking. And then the streams on their phones catch up, and it's like pandemonium because the Blues have opened the scoring again in a game, and clearly they've had good results when they've done that. Yeah. You know, the about two minutes before that happened, I had legit told Harry to fake like the Blues had scored a goal because we were watching on my phone. Just like get up and just yell. And when you did it, I thought for sure you were joking. I was like, Sam, it's really not that funny. But it is genuine. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you know what was funny though is all the people had streams coming in at different rates in their phones. Yes. So you saw different tables like just erupt at different times. Like you heard it, then then they saw it, then they saw it, then we saw it, then he saw it. It's like, what? (laughs) This is nuts. Yeah, and that does, I mean, that kind of raises a little bit of a commentary on how we view sports as a whole as fans now with, with the advent of streaming. And I mean, other than going to a bar, like I can't tell you the last time I watched a game on a charter network or something like that. Because it's always it's, it's usually on PlayStation View or the Fox Sports Go app or whatever else it is, and that's usually about a minute delay. So it's it's not a it's not really exactly live. Yeah, yeah. I have Directv now, which is kind of like Sling. It's a stream, um, but it, it's delayed too. Is so when people put on a group text, that will score this had happened. Mine's about forty five seconds behind. Mm-hmm. So whenever I hear my phone buzzing and we're in the offensive end or defensive end, it's like, um... Something uh, happened. You know something happened. happened. Yeah. <laughs> when you get those two or three chirps on your phone, you know something has happened yeah. and you just have to wait that 45 seconds to find out. Yeah. And it's awesome when we're on the offensive end when we score. When we don't, though, and then you see a shot get blocked or a shot goes off a shin pad, it's like, oh, god damn. Yeah. <laughs> this is about, they're about to let up a shorty. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about, I, I guess, that experience as a whole, where you're, you're sitting in the bar and the picture is going intermittently in and out. Where, how nervous were you during that game? At, at, at what stage? What, what stages were you feeling a certain amount of nerves? I was not nervous one bit after we demolished San Jose in Game 5, coming home. Mm-hmm. We've seen that happen to the Blues before, where they just go on the road for that Game 6, and they, you know, they're on the verge of extinction, and we just get smoked. That was the feeling I had for San Jose. I knew they were done. And with all their best players pretty much out of the lineup, once we got that first goal, I knew it was over. I wasn't worried at all when it was 2-1, to one, when they cut it to 2-1. to one. Not for like a second that entire night. That was the Blues night. It was bound to happen. 
it was a night we waited for. I like that. And you know, I I had the same thought for pretty much the entirety of the the days leading leading up to because after game five, I mean we can we can obviously talk about that a little bit, but the Sharks are coming in just completely depleted with I mean, all their best players. Pavelski is questionable at that point, and you pretty much know for sure that Carlson and Thomas Hurdle are not going to be making the trip. Right. And it's like, oh my God, everything's setting up just just fine for them. They're going to be okay, and they're going to win this game. And what happened to me, though, because, I mean, I you listen and you read and you watch so much about your team when they're in the playoffs like this, and there started to become this, like, secondary narrative that as soon as all of San Jose's big stars were out, it's, oh, my God, now they have all of these fresh, young legs in there from these guys that are playing in the AHL all year, the, the Black Aces squad, as they call them. And the narrative becomes, this might be how this ruins the Blues' hopes, is this team of just nobodies has the game of their lives and dashes the Blues' hopes. But that those thoughts pretty much dissipated after that Sammy Blay uh, David Perron via Sammy Blake goal, and it was just all over from there. Yeah, yeah, I would say... Well, this, this team of baby sharks led by Grandpa Shark, Jark, Joe Thornton, it's his year. He's supposed to win it all. That was the only thing that maybe gave me a little bit of concern. But you know what? It wasn't Joe Thornton's year. Suck it, NBC. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Jumbo Joe, but uh, I'll say... During the game, I wasn't nervous at all going in with all the players that they had out. I was confident, like really confident we were going to win, so I wasn't... Not a bit during the game. However... Getting to the bar, there was a nervous moment when uh, old South City Curtis uh, did old St. Louis stop in the city. By that, I mean he pretty much rolled it and blew right through just, it. Just did not stop. Well, <laughs> a cop pulled him over. You're kidding me. He didn't, we didn't hear about yeah. this. Okay. Yeah, so a city cop actually pulls him over. So he's it's his car. He's driving. I'm in the, um, the front seat, and our buddy Braden is in the back seat. He's from Kansas City. And he's just laughing, like, oh, way to go. No, no, no. <laughs> and, and there Curtis is... Like stashing like any drinks that are around. He's oh like, my oh. God. He's like, oh no, oh no, oh no. The guy comes up to us and he says, Curtis says, Sir, did did you see the stop sign back there? He's like, Yeah, yeah, I saw it. And uh, you no, know, you never you never admit fault. So, so he you says, So you saw the stop sign. He's just, Yeah, you know, points to his blue shirt. I'm just excited. I just I just can't wait to go and watch the game. And he looks at him. And he's like. And so he ran through it anyway. He's like, yeah, man, sorry. He starts to get his license and insurance out. And then he goes, you know what? Have a good time. <laughs> yes. Let him off. So I was, City cops, man. They just they, they don't really want to bother with the small fry. <laughs> yeah. So I was super nervous for like like a minute at that point. Yeah. But even, that, that can just kill. I mean, that just takes away your, your time there. Because that can be a half hour uh, stop right there. Yeah. And even going into it, that stop sign, I see this cop like Curtis. Stop, 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 stop. Oh, man. And then... Or I'm just like, oh no. I'm, I'm frankly not surprised. <laughs> but once we got to the bar, or once you let us off, all my nerves went away. I'm like, yeah, it's a good sign. Yeah, this is our night. This is our Look, night. Let's talk about some highlights from the first three rounds. What was your guys' favorite game? Oh, it, I mean, it, it has to be a tie between the game seven against the Stars and then that. Uh, I, I would put game six and five together of this last round because that game mm-hmm. five, you just you saw the Blues just absolutely demoralize a team that up until then the national standpoint had been the Sharks are too good and too deep and too highly skilled for the Blues to overcome. And just to watch the Blues just feed them three games in a row after that hand pass, it's like, I mean, lock it up there. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I would say, you know, outside of clinchers, which are, which are easy picks, I think part of the reason I like Game 5 is the Sharks, they knew the Blues were the bigger, stronger team. They like playing, you know, the heavy game, if you will. And the Sharks tried to stay up to them, and, and it worked out 
you know, horribly for them because they let them finish the game with about four or five yeah. fewer players than they started it with. Mm-hmm. So after that, I, I was just so confident we win game six. So I think that's part of why game five is my favorite it for was. me because I was like, we are not losing to this team. Yeah, because we they, got yeah. this. Let me give you two of the forgotten games. First off, game five, round one against Winnipeg. We're down, I think, 2 nothing going into the third period. Yes. It seems like more of the same for the Blues. You lose that game five, it's over in six. But nope, we have that three-goal comeback capped by Jaden Schwartz in the last 15, 10 yep. seconds, whatever it was, just miraculous. We're all going nuts. And the cat's meow bar in Soulard. The other game was game six against Dallas. Down in Dallas, I for sure thought the series was over. I was like, in my mind, well, it was, we had a fun run. Came back from last place all the way to the second round. That was great. I'm going to miss hockey. We're going to have to turn it into the Cardinal games from now on. But no, just a thorough butt whooping down in the yep. start state. And we moved on to game seven. It, it hasn't mattered. I mean, and you mentioned there, like, two huge moments in two series where you thought, oh, man, can they come back from this? And no matter what you throw at this team, they always seem to have an answer for it, for better or worse. Yeah, you know, that's what depth will get you. I mean, that's why teams with depth excel in the playoffs. And the Bruins and Blues are arguably two of the deepest teams who started out the postseason besides maybe Tampa Bay and a couple others. But depth is what gets it done. I mean, mm-hmm. the first couple of rounds, the third line, Thomas, Bozak, and Maroon are killing it. Yep. And now the fourth line in the, in the uh, Shark series was just – they didn't have an answer for him at all. Yep. Let's. Uh... I, was thinking, I was thinking about this cup run. Uh, going into it, just watching highlights from past cup runs, just how close you come to losing and how, how easily it could slip through your fingertips. And just looking back at all these games, like uh, Jamie Benn's wraparound that yep. he just missed in Game 7 in overtime. Uh, Schwartz's goal late in Game 5. Just these things that nearly went the other way. Yep. And just, it's phenomenal. It's unreal when you look back at it. That's, yeah. that's how much has to go your way in order to win three rounds just to get here. And we're not even done. And there's and there's a lot of, I, I say a lot, but there is a certain uh, subset of Blues fans, and this is probably true for, for most, for any fan base really, that always has the, uh, the negative, defeatist outlook towards the team. And with those moments, you know, you hear people say, well, they got so, they came so close to losing here, or, oh my God, it's like, if not for that, they, w- they wouldn't even be here. And it's just, but that's, that's playoff hockey. That's the way it real, goes. That's, you are going to have those moments. And, I, and you know, I think, and you can probably speak to this too, Jeff, I mean, and both of you can, with how much playoff hockey we've watched, but once you watch so many of those, you kind of start to build a little bit of a tolerance to it. Yeah. In a way. Like there's certain things that will still surprise you, but especially with this team, like I've not felt super nervous at any at any point in this in this playoffs. Yeah, their mental toughness is, is unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, I, that the hand pass, I think, was the biggest thing of all. That mm-hmm. that hand pass is in what game three? Yes. That was crushing, backbreaking, mm-hmm. lost the game in overtime. Well, they won the next three yep. games, two of which were beatings. And the next day, how many of us said the Sharks are not winning another game. That's it. We, yeah. It's, and they didn't. It was like, that is the moment in the series where the Blues said no more. And as Doug Armstrong has asked of them so many times before, they took the knife, jammed it into their eye, threw it to the brain, and killed them. And they did that to the Sharks. Which game you have to love. Style. Yeah. There was a lot of Game of Thrones <laughs> shit going on in that Game 5, I'm not going to lie. On both sides. Yeah. You get what you, I mean, we talked about it a little bit, but uh, Petrangelo, my God. What a what a captain! The captain, the <laughs> captain. Like Petrangelo is a mean son of a bitch when he wants to be, and I love it. Yeah, he doesn't do it too often, and it's probably better that he doesn't because we meet him on exactly. the ice and not in the penalty box. He's gonna be playing forty minutes a night. 
It's so cool that we have this player, it seems like for the first time in Blues history, that everyone in the fan base loves. <laughs> in the St. Louis Blues yeah. fan base, hates Petrangelo. It's refreshing to see. We've rallied behind the captain. Everyone knows we people let us today. Well, yeah, and there's there's no chance that anyone would ever complain the day after you clinch a berth in the Stanley Cup about it. Alex Petrangelo shouldn't have the captain C on his chest. Certainly, no one would ever do that. I mean, certainly not Blues Twitter. Yeah, and certainly no one in our timeline. Uh, <laughs> I don't know who would do that. To be quite honest with you. Oh boy, the regardless, options are endless. Regardless, I'm, there's there's no way for me to to even pay attention to negative people about this team right now because my God, it's they're they are in the process of doing something we've never seen before. Never. They everyone, everyone is carrying their weight. I mean, this is how you get to to the Stanley yeah. Cup final. Everyone, there's no one just just dragging. Everyone looks great. Yeah, and and if you think about it, just like not just in our age group, but others, like people in our parents' age group. My dad actually went to a game when they were there, in like nineteen seventy. Yeah, but he was like eleven or twelve then. Yep. So it's like that, and he's sixty now. So it's like you know what? That means everyone who's like of the baby boomer generation, and and, and then we're all kids mm-hmm. when they're there last. So everyone is backing him right now. No one's kind of like, eh, they might do it again in a few years. Mm-hmm. No. Everyone gets that it's been 49 of them. So who was the, for both of you, same question, who was the first person you called after that uh, victory? Did you call anyone? I mean, I certainly didn't make any phone calls. No? (laughs) Scott, did you? I called Julia because she was out west in Sunset Hills trying to come down and meet us in Sioux Island. Yeah. So this, now this is now this has happened uh, twice now where we've been out at these games on weeknights and my wife gets up early for work so it's like they finish the game get in the car and go home because we gotta go to bed to get up to go to work the next morning which yeah. kind of sucks so um, I'm hoping that if we have God willing we have one more clinching game to watch I'm hoping that it's not on a work night <laughs> yeah all I did though is I was uh, I was texting uh, the lady friend and I just like oh, my phone's dying yeah. this is amazing can't explain it. Uh, I'll talk to you tomorrow. So I guess, so I guess I'm the only, I guess I'm the only nostalgic one in the group because I, I immediately called my dad when we got in the car and talked to him because you know I asked him I was like, do you remember 1970? He was like, oh yeah, I remember watching on TV. He was ten, you remember, he was ten years old watching it. So yeah, it's it is. There's a whole generation there. So anyone who actually remembers much from those games is either much older now or is not with us anymore. Yeah, and that's so. The Blues have a lot of people's uh, hearts and souls riding on this this run here, which is crazy to think about. How, no pressure. How silly of a thing of sports can, can bring an entire city together the way they have. So it's, it's, it's awesome to see. And cause a radio station to play a song from 1982 for 24 hours again, straight. Again. Multiple times. Yeah, you gotta, <laughs> what, what happens if they win the whole damn thing? Are they going to play Gloria? For, are there's going to be a Gloria station for the rest of their existence? Why 98 will be just... Only playing Gloria forever? I support that decision. I don't mind it. I don't mind it. Listening to Y98 3,000 times more than I do uh, on non-Gloria days. Right. (laughs) That's exactly accurate. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What is Y98? Is that like Christian rock? Uh, it's it's just, today's hits. They play the same six songs over and over. And on. So it's almost like the Gloria thing, just with different songs repeating every day. It's kind of like Top 40, but not all of the Top 40 stuff. It's like some of it and some other random ones. Yeah. A lot, of, a lot of smash mouth. All right, I'll listen. I'll listen more. All we know is that it's really helping them out to be playing Gloria right now. Yeah. All right, so Claytona five hundred and one five thousand one says Gloria for seven straight days. So seven, it's like seven straight days of Gloria. So I like how we had that seven straight days of rain. We'll get seven straight days of Gloria. I can go for fourteen. Fourteen days of Gloria. 
Oh, how about mm-hmm. 16 days of Gloria for each win the Blues had to get to oh, get to us? Well, there it is. How about that? Well, 16 uh, days of Gloria. How many years have it been since that song was released? It was 84. I don't know if it was 82. I think it was 84. Well, whatever it is, however many years old it is, how about that many uh, days in a row? Yeah, I would like that. So 84, I'm 89, so I was, I'm 30 this year, so that song is now 35. If it is 84. Yeah, I think well, it is. I'm pretty Google sure it is. Machine. Ask Google, see what they have to say about Gloria. It's, uh, yeah, so that's the other thing. I mean, people have followed along about that with that song, and everybody knows the story at this point where the Blues read a bar in... South Philly that kept playing the song Gloria during commercial breaks uh, during the NFC one of the NFC playoff games for the Eagles and there were some blues players in there I think it was Robbie Fabry Robert Bortuzzo Jaden Schwartz was there as well and they were partying with them and the song Gloria stuck they started playing after wins this was right around the time where they went on that big winning streak so it's it's stuck and the, the city has embraced it right along with them 82 82 Jeffrey was right so it's, it's 37 now it's 37 that song is yeah it did reach back up into the iTunes charts did you know that it reached the top 50 for iTunes now <laughs> <That's great. laughs> that has to be the most random song to ever get to that level that's what it takes the Blues have a novelty song that's what you need why not whatever works right <laughs> pretty much uh, no, Scott you went to the game 7 how and then this past game six that was the first game that I watched with both of you during this entire playoffs run because I've watched games with yeah. you I had not watched a game with Scott yet and that was the is first that, right? it's, that is and I was really happy to have a nice big group together because it's we talk about the the ticket situation and Scott I do want to know from your standpoint you've been to both now you you were in at that game seven you were at a we watched a game at the bar how do the experiences compare uh so game seven was a lot more nerve-wracking because you just had no clue. It's yep. game seven, just takes a few bounces to lose yep. and you're out. And you know, you knew Dallas, they weren't as beat up as San Jose. You know, they probably weren't as demoralized, even they even though they lost that game six. I was pretty surprised they looked as bad as they did. It took them four periods to kind of pull their heads out of their butts. Yep. They did not look good at all. But then they started to turn it on. Just everyone in the arena in a game seven is just on the edge of their seat. Everyone's yeah. nervous as can be. But for game six against San Jose, like I said before, I was not nervous. I knew we were going to win. We killed them so much. They were beat up so much. It was just, that was our night. I was very positive about that. But, I mean, both nights we were I was drinking pretty heavily. So kind of <laughs> that helps. But that does tend to dull the nerves a little bit, which I, did, I will say the only time I got nervous was when, uh, who was the Sharks player that scored uh, Grandel? Oh, yeah, the Cables. Oh, the guy who replaced Pavel's Yeah, Yeah, it, it was his first NHL goal, and it uh. comes in the playoff game to make the score 2-1 to one in a game six that's do or die. And it just killed me because it was like, oh, my God, please don't let it come true. But then, I mean, shortly thereafter, Braden Shen scores that amazing goal and does the equivalent of a, someone said, a, a bat flip in baseball by breaking his stick on his leg. Well, he didn't break his stick. He, he, he made the motion to, but he didn't. Yeah, I was I, hoping he would. I, yeah, that'd be pretty sick. Cause it, it was kind of like a callback to him smashing his stick on the glass after that Game <laughs> 3 debacle. He wanted to let out so much frustration. He did. Because he hadn't scored in a while. At the intermission, I think, that Shin had one goal in 18 games yep. going into due. that game six. I and mean, you could tell he had so much pent-up frustration. Yeah. When he got that goal, just a weight came off his back. Yeah. So now we've got hot Braden Shin going into the cut finals. Yeah, yeah I like that. That I, whole line is clicking. It's ridiculous. Dude, I, I do remember that conversation, Scotty, because uh, I looked at you and said, you know, if he doesn't score this period, 
he might kill someone. It may not be tonight, but if they win this game, it'll definitely be in the first game against Boston. <laughs> he's just going to let it out. But a hot brain shin. Yeah. Oh, buddy, he's he's uh, due for some goals. I would say so. Maybe we'll get lucky and it'll be like a short situation where he had such a long drought that all of a sudden the floodgates open. Yep. That would be really nice and because that, that whole line, having them clicking, is just becomes deadly. Is Tarasenko had a point in all seven of those Western Conference final games, which is a complete 180 from the last time the Blues were in the Western Conference Championship. He quietly has eight goals this playoff. I'll take it. Yeah, a lot of people in the fan base and in the media called out Tarasenko after the game one loss to San Jose, and his numbers were not good. I want to say he had six points in 14 games or something at that point. Yep. Minus eight was just doing horribly. And then after that, he just took off. was a huge reason why we demolished the Sharks. So kudos to him for stepping up. Yeah, and his checking as well. You know, we saw him uh, hit a Vander Kane, and pretty much that was the last we heard of a Vander Kane throughout this in the entire series. Yeah. Once, once Tarasenko hit him there, he just completely shut down. Yeah, Vander Kane didn't do anything the whole series. That was got to be a huge letdown yeah. for a Sharks fan. I was surprised there a guy like that who's really built for playoff hockey just didn't perform. Big, strong kid. I mean, I can't see the Sharks tearing down, but if they did, they could probably get a ton for that guy. Yeah. So uh, we heard nothing but... From a lot of people's standpoint, we heard way too much about Joe Thornton. I wanted to know personally what you guys thought, if it was as one-sided as everyone seems to make, make it out to be. I just thought it just got tiring to listen to. Yeah. So you I do think they were showing a huge skew towards Joe Thornton? I think it just seemed that way just because I was so fed up with it. You start looking for it. Like, every time you hear it, it's just like, ah! Yeah. You know, they have 19 other players in the team. Let's hear about Pavelski or Carlson or yeah. Mark Edward Vlasic. They have so many other players who are really good, mm-hmm. all-star caliber, well, they are all-star players, actually, that I'd like to hear about. I don't need to keep hearing how Joe Thornton's played 21 years and never been in the finals, yada, yada, yada. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. we get yeah, it. Yeah, I absolutely think in the first uh, three games or so, the, the talk was more about the Sharks and this being Thornton's year. But I do think a lot of it has to do with the games being on NBC and the Sharks are an NBC affiliate. They, they play on NBC. That's uh, one angle I did not consider. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, but maybe they just heard the angry tweets from Blues fans. Yeah. They seemed to kind of skew more towards the Blues later on. I think well, the last game and a half was all Blues. Yep. So it was just so obvious we were moving on. It's funny. Yeah, it's funny how quickly those those tastes can change, especially mm-hmm. in a series like that. And I think a lot of times those guys on the national level, well, they're not like your John Kelly or your Darren Pang or your Chris Kerber who are just entrenched with the team and learn so much about the team as players and travel with them and everything that they kind of have to pick and choose the stories they're going to try and tell for a national audience. And I mean, the Joe Thornton one's easy, but you also have to think, like, which from your guys' standpoint, what are the easy stories on the Blues? What are people going to be talking about from the Blues' standpoint? Should they, should it not skew all the way towards Boston, which it very well could? And we'll get even more hemming and hawing on Twitter about it, but... What are the uh, the big storylines that a national broadcast can pull from for the Blues? I mean, the other thing is a couple of layups. I mean, for one, Bo Meester's been in the league forever, seemingly. Not 21 yeah. years like Thorne, but he's played the, like the other 1,300 team. games. Um, Steen's been around a long time. Um, and the real easy one is Maroon's a hometown kid, yada, yep. yada. We heard that a lot after he scored a double overtime game seven clincher against Dallas. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, those are the easy ones I think they could just cherry pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then Bennington just being stuck in the uh, AHL, fourth on the depth chart going into the year. Uh, the, the Blues, obviously, just been kind of beaten to the ground last the first place. 
There's a lot of storylines with this team. There is, yeah. Like, as I'm, with any cup final. Team. I'm going to choose, because, I mean, because I'm a, a student of history, if you will. And you I'm going to say... yourself a history buff? This, the, the biggest story... I am a history buff. I'm very <laughs> big history um, I'm going to say it's the, it's the simplest one available, and it's the Blues have never won the Stanley Cup. I mean, this yeah. is their... This is their Cubs moment. This is their the Capitals getting the monkey off their back last year. This to have a new team win the Stanley Cup for the first time in their history, and, and a team that's been around now for going on fifty four years, that is has never been back to this point since the first three years of their existence. Yeah. They've never even won a Stanley Cup game. The first time they win a Stanley Cup game, everything beyond that point will be completely new for everyone. I mean, as you get older, you stop having a ton of new experiences. So to have that happen here in your own backyard with your favorite team, like that's just unbelievable. Oh, dude, that would be that would be unreal. And and you know, one of the other uh, deeper stories I would like that I think would be pretty easy too is kind of like you said, Scott Jordan Bennington, he was on loan yep. with the Bruins AHL team in Providence last yep. year. I think it'd be cool if NBC did some like some interviews with their coaching staff or some of the guys that who were his teammates then, mm-hmm. who aren't necessarily the on the Bruins now, but maybe guys are still you know in the minors. Yeah. I think it'd be cool to hear from them. Now, what is this guy yeah. like? How are you? Are you rooting for them? How do you look at this series? Mm-hmm. I think that'd be pretty interesting. They brought it up in the uh, press conference today that Bruins head coach uh, Bruce Cassidy was the AHL head coach when Bennington was there. And they asked Bennington, does that give him an edge knowing all of his tendencies? Bennington was just like, I don't know. That's cool, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but classic Bennington fashion. Which isn't really good. We got to look. Still isn't nervous. The Bennington uh, interview highlight videos are just fantastic. Yeah, that's. Another question was uh, a couple of the players there said they might be able to. Uh, get one pass because they know and they play with him and his answer was oh I guess that's pretty good <laughs> that was it he, he's got that naturally he's, stoned mentality he's just unflappable just like, oh, okay it's Whatever. there's nothing like it now the on the other side the goalie it's there's a lot of fawning over Tuka Rask and his numbers you know after that after I mean, that sweep which he, is for, rightly so he's he, playing a hell I think of a game he led what seven goals in an entire series yep six seven goals that dude's on a roll yep which I, I feel like there's been a couple pretty high scoring games for these uh for the couple of the Blues games so Bennington's numbers may be a little bit skewed there in a couple spots but I mean I think they're pretty even Tuka obviously has a little bit more experience but people tend to forget that the last time the Bruins won the Stanley Cup, it was not took a Raskin goal, it was Tim Thomas. And then the next yeah. Stanley Cup final they went to, took a loss in six games in the final. So don't let, I mean, it's, it's always been a motto of ignore the narrative here in St. Louis because it's never gone our way throughout any of these series. It's always been the Blues are not the better team, they're going to lose this. And here we are. So I would say continue to ignore the narrative because the Blues are loving nothing more than to prove it wrong. For sure, you know, I think the Blues have better D-men overall. Um, I saw one of those Bruce Cassidy interviews, the Bruins head coach, and and he, he acknowledged that the Blues D-men are bigger, they're, they're stronger, and um, that's the concern of theirs. But, I mean, the Bruins forwards, the top-end guys like mm-hmm. Pasternak, Marchand, Bergeron, Krejci, those guys can fill the net. Yeah. Now, I will say the Blues and the Bruins both have an equal number of goals scored for in throughout this uh throughout this playoffs. And the Bruins have two fewer games, but the, uh, the the goals are right there, and they're pretty much even in terms of they have 12 different players who have scored. And it's so it's there's depth scoring on both sides. This For is sure. a lot more even series than the 
uh, I guess the national media would have you believe. Yeah, that's one of the other things Cassie said in his interview. He felt like the Blues were a, a mirror image of, of his team. How many times have we heard that in these series? I feel like we heard that against the Stars yeah. and then also the, the Sharks. The Sharks one I could kind of see, although I don't agree that the Stars definitely not. They're a one-line one team. The Jets, I could, I, could, I could see that. Yeah. I think the Stars could have beaten the Sharks, to be quite honest with you. I think there's a good chance they could have. Yeah, they were doing a little bit of revisionist history, but yeah, the way they played the Blues, I don't mm-hmm. see why not. Had that Jamie Ben goal gone in, God forbid. That was a solid series. Yep, stars, stars look good in mm-hmm. that series. Yeah, there's no doubt that going into the Cup final, this is going to be the best team the Blues have played in the playoffs, mm-hmm. and the Blues are going to be the best team the Bruins have played in the playoffs. The Bruins had a somewhat relatively easy path to the cup final. They didn't have to go through Tampa Bay, although maybe you say they're pretenders because they got swept in the first round. But then you get Carolina in the Eastern Conference final who just had to go through the Islanders in the second round. It's not, they didn't really face a dominant team, a team that uh, you would think could easily win the cup. The best team they probably played was Toronto in the first round. Mm-hmm. And that's a team that doesn't have a great defense or a great goaltender. I mean, it's, it's mostly a team that wins with firepower up front. So I think the Blues and the Bruins are, are two well-rounded teams. And for the Blues, we have not seen a team that has relatively no weaknesses like Boston. We played uh, Winnipeg in the first round, who had a great forward group, a great defense, or at least a pretty solid defense. But then it was Hellebuck in that, kind of giving up some soft goals. He was off this year. It wasn't his best year. Second round, Dallas. That's a team with one line up front. There's just no scoring depth, and it showed in Game Seven when they're sitting back on their heels, trying to play, you know, prevents as many good shots as possible. And then third round, you're playing San Jose, and Martin Jones just absolute terrible. He was surprisingly bad. That was the worst goalie of the playoffs by yeah, far. I mean, he's just he's had a bad year all year long. I don't know what happened with him. Any shot you put above his logo was going in. I mean, I've never seen anything like that. I, I'm completely surprised he made it to the Western Conference Final. He's just not a good goalie. Yeah. Just I mean, I was not afraid of him in 2016 when we played him. He was letting in a lot of soft goals back then. But back then, the Sharks were much better on the forecheck. They were much better in the neutral zone. This year, the Blues dominated all over the ice and won the series. and got to take advantage of the, with the weaker goalie from San Jose. So going into the Cup Final, I'm a lot more concerned about Boston than any team we've played so far. Uh, there's just not a, a weakness, a glaring weakness, especially since they picked up Charlie Coyle and Marcus Johansson during the season to boost the middle, the middle six, because they have the big horses up front with Marchand, uh, Pasternak, Bergeron, Krejci. It would have fallen off pretty quickly after that, but then they kind of boosted it with the addition of those two guys midseason. Mm-hmm. And the defense, Char is old, but he's been there. He knows how to play. It's going to be tough, tough going against him. Charlie McAvoy is a great defender. Tory Krug, these are these are solid players. And then Tuka's in net. It, it's going to be very tough. It is going to be a tight series. And uh, I, I do kind of want to... You heard the phrase, look backward to look forward. We're going to do that here for just a second. Uh, in that in that series against the Sharks, I spoke with one of their beat writers, uh, Dieter Kurtenbach, our good friend out in the Bay Area. And I, he could have. I wish he was on tonight because he's in, he's in the air as we speak right now. But talking with him after uh, that game five, he was he basically said in no uncertain terms that the Sharks are fucked. This is this is it. You know they're they're held together by shoestrings and tape. Carlson needs like three or four surgeries in the off season at this point. 
and it's, it's just it's not gonna do it's not gonna go for him. But then towards the beginning of that series, I guess after game two when the Blues won that game, he started saying that if the Sharks play along the boards, they're going to lose this series because the Blues were so dominant along the boards. And the Sharks were not, even though Sharks are big, they were not set up to be a grinding team. And the Blues just, they just grind teams out. It's just, it's just relentless, constant pressure that just eventually wears a team down. Yeah, they come at you in waves. Not only that, the defense and pinch. Mm-hmm. So, like the third line, for instance, Maroon lives below the goal line. Yep. Bozak saw below the goal line. Thomas can carry the puck for days. Even if they mess up, as they go right behind them, you see Bortuzzo or Dunn mm-hmm. or Petrangelo, any of them are right there on yep. the puck next. It's like they just keep coming and coming and coming. And that's a third line. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fourth line, they're not even. I wouldn't say they're not trying to score, but it seems like they're more interested in, in doing the other things, mm-hmm. and it just wears them out. Yep. And that's and it's funny, you know, you you saying they're more interested in doing the other things, which what they're not doing is getting sucked into any of the little bullshit after the after the yeah. whistle, which the Sharks tried to get them to go for in the in the fifth game. They really were, and the Blues didn't bite. You know. It's people made fun of Petrangelo for getting uh, sat on by Jamie Ben, I guess last season, but. At this point, you know, there was a couple times where Petrangelo was getting held up and just not reacting because you don't want to take a stupid penalty at a really critical point in the game. That's what these Petro haters don't seem to grasp, is if he would have reacted, he would have gotten sent he gotten sent to the box. Mm-hmm. But he didn't. He was a bigger man about it yep. and stayed on the ice. And we need him on the ice. And I feel like I mean, almost the entire team is just going about their business. If they have to get rough, and when they take shots, they make them count. Petrangelo made it count against Pavelski. Maybe caught the head a little bit. Uh, that's neither here nor there. Sammy Blit has been an absolute landmine out there. Oh Anyone God, catches yeah. him the wrong side, they're going on their ass or into the boards. He's a big kid, too, and he can skate. Yeah. The Blues are making the smart hits that they need to be making to really wear teams down, and it's, it's amazing to see. Yeah, and you know, they're letting the right players stand up when um, something happens. Like, you don't want to see Petrangelo get into a fire and think, yeah, would it be nice to be more physical? Sure. I'd, I'd, love, I'd appreciate that, but I'd much rather have Bortuzzo get in someone's face or Sammy Blay just clean someone's clock mm-hmm. if someone gets near O'Reilly. It's like, you, you have to be smart about this and think who's on the ice and who isn't, mm-hmm. who you need out there. Yep. Yeah, going on that, uh, we're facing pretty much the ultimate pest and Brad Marchand, yep. not because he can just rattle your cage better than anyone, but he can also score 35 goals and put up 100 points and make you pay in so many ways. The Blues have to do uh, just an unreal job of ignoring him. Yep. If, if they want to stay out of the penalty box, he's, he's just going to be a pest the entire series. A guy like we have not seen. This is, this is like Sean Avery, um, Darcy Tucker, those guys back in the day, but yep. he's going to hurt you with the, in the offensive zone too. So yep. uh, the Blues... I remember watching some tape on, on how the successful teams did against the Bruins, how they beat Brad Marchand. Because he, he's going to be unlike anyone we've seen in these, in these playoffs. I think you're onto something with talking about ignoring him. And I say that because in that same press conference that we alluded to earlier with Jordan Bennington, uh, Pat Maroon was there as well, and they asked him about Brad Marchand. Because you have to imagine those two are going to get up close and personal with each other at least a few times. But he said, you know, it, he looks at it as it's, he definitely... Maroon doesn't necessarily play the, the pest game all the time, but he does have a certain way that he plays. And he says he thinks about how 
he plays and when he's really involved in a game is when people are reacting to him and wanting to go with him and wanting to get after him. He loves that yeah. and he goes goes at it. So he says the best way to deal with that is to ignore him, like you just said. You just have to play your game. Mm-hmm. And he said, roll up to a face-off dot and don't even look at him because he's going to be doing shit at the face-off. That's kind of his MO. How he doesn't get called for a lot of this shit, I think, is why people hate him so much. The fact that he does it but then gets away with it is the worst part about it. Well, that's why he keeps doing it. Yeah. Because he can. Yep. So, so, yeah, I think Pat Maroon's on there. It's on something there. I think Scott Singer is on something there with, you know, Always. Don't, play, don't, don't play those games. You guys talked about one more thing that you guys talked about was just how the Blues uh, grounded and pounded the San Jose Sharks, pretty much knocked Carlson out. Yep. Um, they have a chance to do that in this series, too, because the Bruins' defense is not nearly as good at moving the puck as Carlson Burns are. Yep. And, and even uh, Mark Edward Vlasic. Chara is not the 40 to 50 point uh, defenseman he used to be. Charlie McAvoy is pretty good. I thought he'd be a lot better, though, at moving the puck. In this postseason, I think Torrey Krug is their leader, and he's more of like a Shattenkirk guy, undersized. He's going to get his points, but uh, he's more of a power play specialist. I think there's two guys that they can focus on, McAvoy and Krug, mm-hmm. and just make life miserable for those two. I think you can get a lot of turnovers because Brandon Carlo is in their top four. He's solid, but I think you can force turnovers out of him yep. if you make him play the puck a lot more than the Bruins want him to. Yeah, and you know, McAvoy's a head case, too, so you can get him... Lured in pretty easily. I, mm-hmm. I could see Maroon or Steen or Barbashev play, take your pick, have, yeah, a, have a couple of good hits on him. He'll just lose his mind. Yeah, do something yeah, stupid. He's a 21 year old kid. This is his second season. I think he joined the playoffs after college last year. So these are the bright lights for him too. Yeah, we saw that two series in a row with the with the Stars and then with uh, the Sharks, where these puck moving defensemen on both teams. Yeah, they look great for that first game and a half, but then it's just they realize it's the hailstorm is not stopping. These guys are just going to keep on hitting me. They don't slow down. They're going to keep on getting in my way, and it starts to frustrate people, and they start to make really stupid plays. For sure. So as far as frustrating guys, you've got Marchand out there, who that, who's the king of that in the league, mm-hmm. undisputed champ in that category. If you do get into it with them, you guys say ignore them, but if you do get into it, what if maybe someone on the fourth line, like Alex Steen, just makes that his job for the series? Yeah, he, he, he very well could. I mean, I, I, I don't know, and that's the... I don't know who they're going to match up with Marchand more often than not. And I think that might be a product of the fact that is completely comfortable with rolling whatever line out there against pretty much any other line. You know, he takes, yeah. he picks and chooses his spots from time to time, but for the most part, he's he's really adept at just rolling the lines and just letting the play go. And that's part of the reason why they have the for best sure. road record in the playoffs. For sure. So I don't know who's going to match up against Marchand, but I think there's guys on the team. Steen could be one of them who isn't afraid of someone to, that's going to mess around with him a little bit. Um... I would say Maroon is the other one. I can one. see uh, Brayden Shin being that guy. He's played yes. the yes. Marshall, for sure. He knows his tactics. And he's good enough to defend. I mean, the thing about Steen is he's a little slow. Marshan, yeah. the fourth line's a little bit slower than guys like Shin. And if you can't keep up with Marshan, then he's going to burn you offensively. Yep. He's just not your typical pest. Yeah. So I think, I think it's Shin, most of all. No doubt. All right, so, gentlemen, prediction time. Blues and six. I've said it for I think every series so far. You said five against. Did uh, I say five against? Yeah, you uh, did say five. I think against five Dallas. Against, against Dallas. Dallas. Okay, fair enough. That one, that one went seven. Hey, I did call Blues and six against San Jose though. I did call the six then, and I also said that they wouldn't win another game after that uh, game three go. debacle. So those were two t- predictions I got right, and I'm predicting Blues and six against the Boston Bruins this time. 
Sticking with six. Sticking with six. Wanted to happen yeah. here. Uh, I don't. I don't see any way we win this in less than six games. I mean, Boston is just so. It's they're so good. I, I don't see us sweeping. It'd be surprising if we win game yeah. five to beat them four games to one in Boston. The narrative Boston. has oh. been. The narrative has been these teams that sweep a team in the round prior then go on to get swept themselves, oh. just like oh, Carolina true. did. That's a good point. So point. If, it, if there is a sweep, I would be very surprised, but at the yeah. same time, it's like, ah. I think the Bruins are too good for that. I do, too. <laughs> I do, too. I I'm going uh, Blues and Six as well. Yeah, okay, so we're all in the Blues and yep. Six. Now, Scott, I don't know if you heard this today, but uh, a friend of ours from high school had a little bet in Las Vegas. He was out there in January, a uh, guy named Scott Barry. Um, I don't know if anyone in high school has talked to you today, but this has been floating around uh, Facebook, and some people have been texting. He placed $250 bet on the Blues, at, at or $400 bet on the Blues, at 250 to 1. Did it say what time of year this happened? I didn't January. really catch that. Okay, so back when they, it was were, in January. they were bad, at the, at the bottom of the barrel. So $400 at 250 to 1, the Blues win, he will win $100,000. My God. I did see what they there's <laughs> been, uh, apparently you can sell your existing like bet tickets. Yeah, people have been offering him money. Apparently like he's, been offered, he's been offered 40 grand. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's that's the best part of the story is that Scott is sticking with it. He's not selling that no. ticket. He's got, I think he said he's gotten offers for forty grand. More power to him. Yeah. Now let's, we're, let's, not, we're not giving up now. We made it this far. It's a good story if it works out and he wins hundred thousand dollars. But why wouldn't you just you know sell the ticket now for forty grand and then go put put like twenty grand of that back into the into the mix and try and win a little bit more and have twenty grand in the bank. Well, he, he said he's sticking with it. You know, I don't blame him. He's not messing with his karma, not messing with his luck. So I, I see I see why he's doing it. He's a good dude, too. He was a nice guy back, back in the day. So very happy for him. Good deal. Uh, so that's that's a, there's a would-you-rather scenario. Would you rather have someone give you some money for the ticket, or would you let it ride? Uh, I would take let the money. Ride, I would take the money and then go re-bet it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let it ride. All right, well, how about some, uh, some other would-you-rathers? I'll take it. I want it. Let's all right. It. All right. Now, this these would you rather have nothing to do with gambling. It's all about who you'd have a beer with. Okay. All right. So we're going to start out. Who would you rather have a beer with? John Mazalock, the Cardinals president of baseball operations, okay. or Doug Armstrong? Oh, God. Uh, Doug Armstrong. Uh, Doug Armstrong every day. Hockey guy stories are like the best stories. If you've ever read Bobby Plager's book, it's ridiculous. That Zaylock wears? Yeah. He would be hard to be seen in public with. Pretty dapper. That guy does not look like he parties. Hockey guy. <laughs> Maybe Doug. Doug, who after that game three we've mentioned so many times, went up to the referee's uh, dressing room and banged on the locked door and told them that was fucking garbage. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love the passion. All right, so we got Doug Armstrong there. That's a good one. All right, so uh, here's here's a spicy one. Would you rather have a beer with Eric Reitens or Steve Stanger? Mm. Stanger. Okay. I'm going to go with Greitens because then you get in that pull-up competition afterwards. <laughs> Shows you a thing or two. <laughs> yeah. You know, if your pull-up form is off, then you can teach you a thing. <laughs> All right. So that's about it as far into politicking as we could get. But I think uh, Stinger could probably teach you a thing or two about making some money on See, the I, I say Stinger. It's like, you know, I've been very interested about getting into Ponzi schemes in my life, and I'd really like to know how to make that work. <laughs> All right, so the money guy is Stinger, but the working out guy is Greitens. I mean, I'll work out with Stinger, too. That's cool. I don't mind. We can do pull-ups. Maybe. But, all right, so up next we've got uh, some some announcers everyone loves. Okay. Play-by-play men, Mike Shannon and Chris Kerber. Uh, I mean, I, I have to see you towards hockey. You have to go with Kerber. Yeah. I have to go with Kerbs. 
Although I, I do think that Mike Shannon would, even at this point in his uh, life, could still drink Chris Kerber to the table. I mean, you're talking stories. Shannon's got more stories than anyone. That's very true. Like, I, just, yeah. I can't imagine uh, anyone having more of a I knowledge of the Cardinals. Said. Yeah, going old Irish there. Yeah, Shannon, he's got the stories from back in the day, and he can drink like a fish. That's what you want in a drink. Okay, I'm changing my answer. I'm going to Shannon. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All where, right. Oh, wait, oh, oh, so here, all right, so um, for the for the rest of them, you have to say where you would have that drink from now on. So where would you have a drink with Mike Shannon? Because I would want to do it at uh, Charlie Gito's downtown. That would be when I have a, have a drink with him. I, I'm just my porch. Your porch? Your porch? Uh, okay. Cooler Budweiser. Okay. <laughs> all right. Next. Have next. Him, having him telling stories on the porch in the sun would be great. He can't be in the sun too long, Scott. He's getting old. <laughs> we'll give him a, we'll a Brock umbrella. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Is that, what, is that one of those umbrella hats? Yes, the Lou Brock. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. All right, so uh, the next duo is uh, John Hamm or John Goodman? I feel like John Goodman has not been drinking much because he's lost a lot of weight. Yes. So it's going to be a lot of V8 juice and smoothies. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know about that. But maybe he could use a beer. Oh, Maybe. Maybe. I say John Hamm because I feel like it would be a situation like on Big Daddy where they meet John McEnroe and just go on a bender and like get in all sorts of trouble. I feel like John Hamm would be that kind of drunk where you just go like into a car and smash some mailboxes with a baseball. Just get, <laughs> just get after it. Yeah, I, I would say John Hamm. Yeah. Okay. Plus John Hamm was quite a drinker on Madden, right? Yeah. Well, and you oh, saw yeah. him after the after that game seven against Dallas, where he was clearly tanked. So yeah. So where are you gonna have this beer, John Hamm? Sounds like that's the pick here. With John Hamm, um, I it, be, I would say our old spot babes over there yeah. in, uh, by South City Kurt. It's gonna be a place that's pretty low key. You don't want to attract too much attention with a dude like John Hamm around. I'm I'm gonna go with like Basso or Sasha's Wine Bar. I mean, you see the scarves that guy wearing, classy. <laughs> Like uh, John Goodman Not back bad. In with on Roseanne, that's one you just take to uh, Nick's Pub and just load up on the $2 pints. <laughs> if, it, if I was going with um, John Goodman, I would take him to Biggie's there on Watson. I would definitely be going to Biggie's. Yeah. Fast Eddie's. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. Alright, so uh, our next duo, would you rather have a beer with Nelly or David Freeze? Known drinkers, yeah. these two. David Freeze. Oh, absolutely. David yeah, Freeze. David Freeze, just make sure you have an Uber on uh, standby, ready to go. Don't let him get into the car and run into a tree. So. Oh, yeah. I don't know if that was beer he was on then. That no, was something it might, else. Not have been, might have been the, the, the white stallion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The fun, uh, the fun pixie sticks. <laughs> okay, so where, uh, where are you and Freeze are going? With David Freeze, uh, the... Everywhere? The... <laughs> Ballpark Village. No, uh, I'm going. No, I'm going. To, <laughs> I'm going. I'm going to take him to Kilroy's. Take him to Kilroy's. Oh, that's a good. That's a good pick. Yeah. Uh, Kilroy's. I'm taking him out to uh, his neck of the woods out in. Well, I guess it's Ellisville, but Mulligans. Okay. Get some beer, yes. some wings. Yeah, yeah. Lafayette, Lafayette boy, you gotta go out there. Yeah. Yeah, you may as well. Uh, that'd be perfect. Okay, can't go wrong with freezer there. Wings in town. Okay, yeah, and uh, and our last duo, a couple other uh, famous people hail from St. Louis. Andy Cohen and Cedric the Entertainer. Mmm, Cedric the Entertainer, all the way. I Definitely know, I Cedric. Think he was from St. Louis. He is. Yeah. People forget. People forget. The kings of comedy. I'm so, going Cedric. For where, sure. where are you going with him? Uh, Cedric. Mmm. Probably. Oh man, that's a 
Well, you don't want to go somewhere too loud because that dude is no. has got to be just hilarious. Like, exactly. I want. I need. It needs to be someplace where you can have a good conversation because he's gonna have you laughing the entire time. Like, I would say maybe the Fox and Hound over here at the Cheshire yeah. might be a good one. That's a very intimate spot, and you can have a good conversation. Yeah. What about uh, Blueberry Hill with them? I mean, think about the people watching. That'd be really good because, like, yeah, I, I feel like he would probably know a lot of people along, along the along the loop as well. If you not, know, he would tell start. you. If not, he'd tell you he did, and you wouldn't know the difference. Yeah, may as well. Or the, you know what? That might be a situation where you ask him where he want to go get a drink. <laughs> You go with him. Oh I'm yeah. Taking, I'm taking him, uh, Cedric's entertainer, to Southtown Pub. I'm gonna give him the mic and see what he can do on karaoke. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he just gets up there and does a comedy set. Yeah. So you taking uh, Cedric there over Andy Cohen, yeah, Scott? I like Andy Cohen, but I don't know. I'm not. Not. I don't watch him enough. I don't know. What I was gonna his, say I don't know much about is. Yeah. So I have a hard time choosing him. Only thing is, I know about Andy Cohen is when stuff gets posted online where he says like. Fuck you, Stan Kroenke, or I love St. Louis, or <laughs> yeah. Go Cardinals, something like that. So I, I think he's uh, seems like a guy who stands up for the town. A lot well. of civic pride, which but, I feel like civic pride is is on its way up at this point in time, which is which is nice to see. You got you got any more? Are we good? We're good. That's all I got. I thought, like that. I thought we'd want to finish with a little sad. That's a good one. I'd like oh, to Jeff, Jeff, who would you rather have a beer with, me or Sam? Ooh, on the spot. <laughs> Who's buying now? Oh! <laughs> How's he get out of that one? There he is. Well, it looks like you're having a beer with Sam. Jeff has that. Jeff has that Uncle Charlie that just lets him escape any tight situation, <laughs> just like that. Well, I'd say uh, both of you. It's a party. First one, then the other. Well, we haven't. I think we'll be having a few beers here in the next uh, few weeks. This weekend, we definitely will. We're going. Uh, uh, for the Indy 500 again, I, t- I feel like I've glossed over Indianapolis this year because I've been yeah. so enamored with the Blues. But the Indy 500 is this weekend, this Sunday. You know, it didn't set in to me that we are going until like this afternoon. It was like, right? oh my God, like, I'm going to get ready, going to get stuff together and leave. Yeah, I, I know the feeling because I literally did the same thing. Um, now, so there is a slight St. Louis connection to the Indy 500 this year, and that is uh, young Chris Wyndham, who is... Uh, a sprint car and midget driver who lives right downtown, actually. I'm, I'm pretty sure he did last time I, I talked to him. But, uh, yeah, we talked to him at the Gateway Dirt Nationals, which was cool, and he's a good dude and also a humongous blues fan. So I have to imagine he, there's a good chance he'll be in attendance or at least be here in the city. But I digress. He is racing in the Indy Lights series tomorrow afternoon for the uh, Freedom 100 there at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. So there's a good chance you could see someone who uh, calls St. Louis' his hometown in the actual Indy 500 in the next couple of years. That would be awesome. I'd love that, right? And it's, I want to see a short track dirt guy get up there into the into the biggest race in the world. You know, until then, I'm still rooting for uh, Takuma. Yeah, yeah, I like Takuma. I don't know who's going to win this year. Like This field is wide friggin' open, and it's there's so many stories going throughout the field. I just don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, on potential uh, inclement weather, it's just... It's, you know, it's you a lot. Just don't know it. That throws everyone into a blender. It could be anything. That said, I'm happy we're undercover this year. So, Scott, what are your plans for the Memorial Day weekend, my friend? I'm heading down south to Nashville, baby. Are you really? All right. Yeah. Me and uh, Andy decided last minute to go down there see the Eric Church concert. I don't know if he cares too much about it. I think he's ever heard an Eric Church song in his life. Andy Cohen. But, hey, yeah, I made my decision. I'm going with Andy over Cedric. <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna go down there, get some hot chicken, get some yin bling, and uh, yeah, it's gonna be a great weekend. We will, we'll, we'll be in separate states, but we'll both be in states that serve Yangling. You gotta like that. Oh, That's right. buddy. you gotta like that. You gotta stop and stock up. So I like that. That's right. All right. So Yangling or Yangling Light? Mm. 
I'm I'm a yingling man just because it's got the flavor. Yeah. I like it. I I like it. I like that it's 99 calories, which is, you know, great great for the figure, but it's not got quite the taste that yingling's got. You know, I'll just devil's advocate. I'll take light just because you don't feel as bloated when you drink like 10 of them. Yeah, because I have a hard time drinking more than like two or three yingling. Regular, regular, regular yangling. Yeah, you get up two or three, and that's kind of all right. I'm ready for something else. But yangling light, you can yeah. easily have a sixer, not like feel like oh god. Yeah. I just, I just ate like a foot long sandwich. I have a feeling I'll be killing just a few of those in the stands at the uh, the old speedway here. This just weekend. a few, huh? Just a few, just a few. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. Cool. Well, hey, I did want to talk a little bit about the uh, say the best for last because we didn't we didn't gloss over necessarily. But I think it's the thing that's the most important, and that's the the blues fans in general. Like, how big of a time is this to be in St. Louis and to be a fan of this team? You know, I've gotten a, a couple texts from a time in New Orleans uh, about this, and he's just saying how jealousy is that he couldn't be here for it. Yeah, it's I mean, it, it's huge. I mean, did you guys see all of the uh, alumni and like Kelly Chase and Bob Plager and Brett Hall and, and their reactions to that game on uh, Tuesday night? I haven't seen it yet, but I can imagine they're just elated. It's it's Bobby is moved to tears, and Chaser is moved to tears, and the players are telling them, "We see you guys crying. It makes us want to cry." So they they know how big of a deal this is, and I think the uh, the fans overall have just been exceptional. No matter if you're in the arena, if you're at a bar watching it, if you're at home watching it, I think the fan support just. It's it's like a wave just pushing them yeah. from behind. How about the owner, Tom Stillman? The team doesn't ever finish the, the ultimate fan. They lose money every year, and he keeps sinking millions and millions of dollars. Finally, yep, they're doing it. I think yeah. their financial situation is a little bit better now than it has been in the past. I would say for oh sure. My God, with yeah, Tom Stillman, yeah. ten dollar tickets to go watch Jumbotron right now. Yep, genius. Uh, yeah, I'll agree with everything you just said about this run being awesome, but we're not done. You know, this we just There's won more. the West. That's not the goal. You want more? And I'll, I'll take you back to 2004 when the Cardinals finally broke through to the World Series again for the first time in 17 years. First time really in my lifetime, and we got swept. It was over in the blink of an eye. And you look back at that season, he's like 105 wins, the greatest lineup we've had maybe ever, and we didn't win a game in the World Series. And you just you look back at it with regret. So. It's great that we've gotten to the Stanley Cup final, but this is this is nothing. There's, there's no yep. reason to break down and cry yet. You know, we still got four more wins. There's a reason they didn't touch that trophy at the, the Clarence Campbell Trophy after they uh, yeah. won on Tuesday. That was awesome. Yeah, I do want to say you know the ticket situation's rough, and uh, it's, it sucks. I, I do want to say though <laughs> I think there's a there's kind of a I don't know if it's a narrative or if there's a feeling, but I. My sense is that there's a lot of people talking about the tickets they have and going and going to games, and they talk about the experience there. And I just I just want to say that if you're not able to go to games, you're you're still a fan and you still are part of this, even if you're not. Because there's only so many people that can be in that arena. But I mean, it's it's pretty clear now that Blues fans are all over the country, almost all over the world at this point, and everybody is a part of this, whether you're at the game or not. So don't fear if you can't get a ticket. You're gonna have an amazing experience here in the next couple yeah. weeks, no matter what. And, and pay attention to it. And it's not just that nobody ever roots for Boston teams in the finals. You yep. can go to any bar, and everyone will be rooting for the Blues. Yep, exactly. unless you're the city of Boston. Yes, find any hockey bar in the country and go out, and there's gonna be people there rooting for the Blues. And I mean, just pay attention and soak it in at this point. Look around you. Look at the people you're with. When you, how you watch the games is no matter what, it's going to be special. Is 
we're standing on the precipice of something that's never happened before, and I keep having to, I, I have to remind myself that that's the way it is. I just, I, can't, I have a hard time wrapping my mind around that at yeah. this point in my life. Just enjoy, sit back and enjoy the ride. May as well. So, okay, um, is there anything else to add about the city of St. Louis, the St. Louis Blues, anything else? Well, we could start mentioning our favorite websites. Oh, uh, yeah, before I do that, I am going to plug my hat. So, these hats, I had a bunch of people ask about these when I was wearing it over the past uh, months and weeks as the blues were, were starting to turn it around. The Cruising for Blues and Hats, they were made for the Blues Cruise, what, at this point, five, six years ago? Yeah. So, I had a lot of people ask for them. They are being reprinted. You can reach out to us on the First Time Caller's Twitter, or you can reach out to me personally. It's uh, simply at sjchandler. Or, I'm sorry, at S Chandler on Instagram, or <laughs> you can, you know what, just reach out to the first time callers one, and Scott's gonna tell you which those are right now. <laughs> so, on Twitter, we're at the numerical one ST time callers. On Instagram and Facebook, we're just at first time callers, spell it all out. We've got a blog, firsttimecallers.com, spell it all out. And we've also got an email address. Jeff, what is that email yeah, address? Yeah, you can email all your stuff in along with your hate mail at uh, firsttimecallersstlgmail.com. Or uh, you can check us out on our favorite podcast website at stlpodcast.com. stlpodcast.com. We are a member of the STL Podcast Network. And you can listen to us on soundcloud.com slash callers, or look it up on iTunes. Check us out there. Just simply search for the first time callers. Um, yeah, that's all we got. So yeah, if you want a hat... 30 bucks. They're great looking hats. Get you one. These guys got one. I got one. You can join them. You can all look, uh, you can, everybody can look cool with us and uh, support these blues as they go on to history. So, that said, all together, we are the first time callers and we hope you will continue to be long time listeners.